Hey guys, welcome to what's our name again? <laughs> Podcast Away. <laughs> Great start. Podcast Aways, <laughs> where we're telling you what movies you should keep and what you should cast away. Um, and uh, I am Jason Konigsberg, and I am from panandslam.com, and I am here with my friend and colleague, Patrick Alaka. Hi. And we're starting this the day after Christmas, 2020, and we're starting it with probably the biggest Christmas release this year of Wonder Woman 1984. Um, would you like to give the plot synopsis, or shall I? Sure. I'm good. We're gonna read the IMDb plot synopsis, just which is the laziest plot synopsis to a movie that's extremely lazy. So I guess it's pretty fitting. I was I was gonna say it's it's actually pretty apt for the yep. movie. Um, all things considered. So, uh, yes. do you want to say Sure, it the plot is, okay. rewind to the 1980s as Wonder Woman's next big screen adventure finds her facing two all-new foes, Max Lord and the Cheetah. And if that doesn't Ooh. make you excited, I don't know what will. Maybe just watching <laughs> the wall dry with paint or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's the movie plot and that's pretty yeah that sums it up pretty well so um i you probably already can tell how we feel about this movie but let's go into the opinions you want to go first jason sure i mean the plot was so contrived and i mean it's a shame because I mean, I think we're in agreement on this uh, from our brief speaking about it before. The first 20 minutes or so, you're Wonder Woman, Diana's a child, and we're in her home world, uh, which is different and beautiful and unique from Earth, you know, whether it's 1984 or 1919, you know, World War I era, like the first uh, Wonder Woman was. And it looked really cool. The colors popped, the event, the excitement. You saw Robin uh, Wright. You saw Connie Nielsen reprising their characters from the previous Wonder Woman. And it had so much potential. And then the first, after the first 15, 20 minutes or so, it all gets squandered with by a plot that was so contrived and that had the characters doing things that were so arbitrary. I was mm-hmm. asking myself, why is Kristen Wiig suddenly popular than suddenly evil? Why is Chris Pine there? He died in the first one, and then he magically just appears in this one. It seemed like more of a contractual obligation uh, than, uh, you know, that the story necessitated it. Uh, the, but for me, the most unforgivable thing, why does it take place in 1984? There was no music or pop culture references to the era, uh, no Reagan or Cold War references, just a few lame jokes about fashion that took up a span of maybe two and a half minutes. Uh, it, it really had the most unmemorable villain in a long list of recent forgettable villains from comic book movies. And it was, uh, you know, obnoxiously long. It just kept going. And the gold suit came out of nowhere. Once again, all these arbitrary, contrived, you know, plot twists or, you know, moments that happened that just really didn't seem necessary. And the plot revolved around wishes. And I was just asking myself, who wrote this? A third grader? Or like, <laughs> a, like a monkey's paw type thing like you quoted? And then they tacked on some Christmas images at the end because it came out on Christmas. I, I was just left really, really underwhelmed. And uh, I did enjoy the first movie. And this was just really, really bad writing that sunk, uh, you know, a, a really great character and a lot of potential for a sequel so that's that's my take on wonder woman 1984 i'm not sure if you have much uh positive uh to re or rebuttal to that patrick but yeah no uh, i it's it's pretty bad i completely agree with everything you say the only thing i'll disagree with is that Kristen wig being becoming suddenly popular that's because she wishes for it so that 
that does make sense, although who cares? It's not even a positive. Stupid, it's just, but yes, you're right. But, <laughs> but yeah, my big thing was... It's, it's pretty inept, but yeah. yeah. But my big thing was, um, besides literally everything that you said, it was much too long, which is just every superhero movie nowadays has to be two and a half hours, or every movie, it seems, has to be that long. Mm-hmm. Especially... Obnoxiously long. Yeah, I used to... Yeah. yeah, especially when it's not a movie that really has a complex plot at all. And then it has the two main yeah. women characters that are at odds with each other the entire movie. When they actually had pretty good chemistry at the beginning of the movie. And it would have been at great. The beginning, yes. Yeah, it would have been great to see Barbara, who's played by Kristen Wiig as an ally of Diana's, um, you know, for this whole being this movie being like pro feminist supposedly, to have the two main women fighting with each other the whole time. It doesn't seem very progressive at all. Um, Not at all. And Kristen Wiig, a talented, you know, comedic actress, but she can handle her own in drama as well, I think. Uh, She's a talented actress regardless. Mm -hmm. Um, There was no character arc for her. She's good. She's bad. She's a cheetah. The end. Yeah. That's, that's, there was no, it was just everything, everything in this movie, especially with her character, felt so arbitrary and like, we're just going to accept whatever they throw at us because... There's Chris Pine, there's Kristen Wiig, now she's evil. There's the gold suit with the wings that just kind of they showed in every trailer that came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And we're just supposed to accept these things, but there was no motivation, no development, no arcs for any of these characters, or just nothing. Also, did they forget that this was supposed to be a fun movie? Like, Wonder Woman is not some, like, really dark, deep, like, uh, Batman-type movie. It, the first one was a joy mm-hmm. to watch. It did have dark themes, but there was like a lot of like fun fish out of water type things. The fish out of water humor. And they exactly. Did, they tried yeah, to, her, you know, yeah, they, in World War One. Right. Yeah. And they tried to do the whole thing, the fish out of water thing again with Chris Pine, but it just just to do some a few lame '80s jokes like you were saying about fashion. Yeah, I was going to say I don't even think they it. really tried very hard. They tried for three minutes, and that was it. Otherwise, this movie could have taken place in 2019. Obviously, not 2020 because of the. COVID yep. coronavirus, but this could have taken place anytime. It didn't matter that it was 19. I mean, uh, did you even see a payphone? I didn't. There was <laughs> nothing that said 80s to me other than maybe three minutes of Chris Pine trying on clothes and making fun of the fashion. And it's just funny because I think about the, you know, movie like, um, um, Captain Marvel or that had the Captain Marvel yeah, did, did a good job it, with 90s. It did, yeah, exactly. It had, yeah. I mean, to me, I thought that one was like way too much. This is kind of like the opposite. Like to me, there wasn't a middle ground with either movie, but mm-hmm. I'd rather Ready Player One was when I thought it was too much. But yeah, I'd rather have Ready Player One than Wonder yeah, Woman. Yeah, I'd rather have too much of the '80s or '90s in a movie than have nothing. Because yeah. I mean, especially you put the ti- you put in the title 1984. Mm-hmm. When I saw that title, I was yeah. like, oh, this is going to be really fun. Nope. There was no fun at and all. No, no Orwellian <laughs> references, no George Orwell references, no, like, just not, there was no reason for this to take place in 1984. Mm-hmm. And that to me was, yeah, the, the fun factor of the, you know, it was fun seeing the clerks references and the video store references in Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, they didn't have any of that in this or, you know, Ready Player One was just nothing but references yeah. to the eighties. <laughs> but I mean, it was, just, I didn't enjoy that movie too much, but it was still more fun than this or just uh, yeah more clever than this at least so it, it made use of of its you know settings and it's you know the elements that people probably cared about and would want to see it for so. mm-hmm. 
And then, the, well, we we kind of talked a little bit about the villains, but uh, you know, the main villain is just instantly forgettable. Like I don't remember anything about him Very. except that he was really fucking annoying. That's one of the main things I remember yeah, about him. Very stock stock villains, and I think I've, I've I've been complaining about movie villains for a long time. I don't think we've had a great villain since Heath Ledger's Joker. I don't know why that is, but no one's che- chews up scenery like Alan Rickman used to, or like Gary Busey used to. You know, they're just sort of there, and we forget about them. And you know, they're not going to win. They have zero charisma. I don't know what it is about movie villains that we've had such a you know. A, a drought of great memorable villains. I know you you think Thanos was memorable. More if memorable than this. Memes, I would have forgotten about him. He looked to me, I said this in my review of uh, the last couple of Avengers movies, he looked like Grimace on steroids and he had uh, looked like purple uh, testicles where his chin was supposed to be. I wasn't intimidated by him, but yes, I guess, you know what, because of that and and the memes, I certainly remember Thanos, so I'll give him that much credit. Uh, this, I'll forget about him. I, if we weren't talking about it now, I'll forget about him in a week. No, but so. Thanos had like a drive. He had a clear-cut purpose. You understood his motivations. He, he, you kind of could argue that what he was doing, not that it was right, but you could kind of see his train of thought. This we don't really. I guess it's just like he wants money or he's failing as a business. Like there's not really any like uh, drive at all. No, to no, no, no does. social commentary whatsoever. Yeah, no social commentary. Except something whatsoever. about the no o- about oil because whatsoever. somebody looked in a textbook and was like, oh yeah, the 80s was a, something about oil and let's just throw that and, in. And nuclear that, weapons. Yeah. I think they mentioned nuclear weapons near the end somewhere. Right. And, it, and it was just such a throwaway line when it could have been, I mean, nuclear people, we, Americans were really afraid of the Russians bombing us and vice versa. Uh, and just no no Cold War references. Indiana Jones uh, 4 had better Cold War references than this. Well, that's why, just, like when you said it, it was like really written by a third grader, it seems like it was written from someone who has the very small grasp on history and like you might as well just not even put anything in there if you're just not going to use it if you're just going to take random bullet points and scatter it throughout the plot i mean the first wonder woman exactly. like yeah. actually went into a lot of the fears and um issues the of the trench time. warfare the chemical yeah, warfare like, yeah the trench warfare and the chemical warfare which were major major issues of world war one okay they had never had you know those types of weapons before or bombs or aerial assaults using airplanes you know to drop bombs and how often that was a new type of warfare and you never see that in a in a superhero movie it was uh it, there no, was a lot of yeah, really interesting stand out yeah. stuff but yeah this it, it just it blows my mind that it's the same creative team that did this movie the music wasn't even memorable. I thought the music in the first one was phenomenal with Hans Zimmer's score. Yeah, it had that Hans Zimmer score. That I'm not going to hum it, but yes, it, it, she does have a memorable theme going all the way back to the Batman and Superman movie. Uh, mm-hmm. But this just did not. Yeah, very, very forgettable. And I would forgive a bad score if they had references to the mute if they had 80s music in there yeah i mean what fun what fun is it you know 80s music was great and and there's no great 80s songs in here the trailer even teased us with a few great songs i don't there, there was nothing i was humming i wasn't humming anything as i was walking out whereas on the flip side once again bringing up this you know an inferior spielberg movie ready player one tons of 80s songs in that mm-hmm. uh just just yeah, a real a, a real shame a real missed opportunity and it's just like yeah, they, they weren't thinking. No imagination. The first one, the, they, they used their imagination and they got the audience to, you know, 
care and invest in these characters and you know but this just left nothing to the imagination just contrived plot yeah and apparently they thought that the entire movie needed to rest on chris pine's shoulders because they went all out of their way to create this wish fulfillment plot literally just to bring him back that's the only reason that 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 we're you know forced to watch a movie with that type of plot and who get yeah, who, which made me think about contractual obligations yeah. <laughs> was he how much was he contractually obligated to be in this mm-hmm. <laughs> so and so that actually kind of leads to what could have made it better i have an idea that i i think you'll probably agree with jason um for what okay. I, what i think could have made it better so all you have to do create an extended montage at the beginning of the movie a la the watchman movie or up that illustrates the passage of time it starts in 1918 that you know, immediately precedes the death of Steve. We see Diana through the decades mourning for Steve, but slowly get, getting back on track with her life. Each decade, she, attra- she attempts to date a man who stereotypically represents the decade. So it could be kind of funny. So like in the 60s, mm. we could show her dating a So hippie. like an Elvis parody kind yeah, of guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah I just like that. Like oh, I like that a lot. Her like yeah. sitting at a And she, at a she's just so underwhelmed like really, each time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's all done for comedic effect. Before This is before the main title card, by the way. It could be like five minutes. Then we see the title card. Or you got me thinking like Watchmen, like Watchmen as the titles are going. Yeah. The opening titles. We could even, what we yeah. even could do is that it could start in... 1924 then 1934 keep showing that with different guys then it gets to 1984 mm. and we see the title card wonder woman 1984 and she's we see that she's given That's up a dating. Great idea. yeah she's given up dating until she meets whoever new leading man we wouldn't have that plot but and i could see but i could also see women complaining oh she needs a man she need, well i guess uh, no matter how you look at it it looks like she's either pining after one yeah. man pun intended or or you know she's just you know disappointed with everything all the trendy men out there that she you know the human men that she keeps meeting that are beneath her right so I, i'm just saying if I, they I needed if they it's, needed it's, it's to, an idea it's a, it's yeah. a funny idea if they, yeah. Yeah, if they needed to throw that in that like she that it took her that long to get over him like do something like that and then what opens the movie up to anything she doesn't have to be dating the entire mm-hmm. movie well, like whatever but at least we're we're not straddled with Chris they could have Pine. her saving the day in 1954 1964 mm-hmm. or something you know doing something historic saving right. i don't know maybe not saving president kennedy but maybe saving uh you know another world leader from a tragedy or something yeah so, yeah do you have any ideas of mm-hmm. of how could make it better besides not making it at all um just like i would have said more 80s references and the plot of like the monkey's paw plot about wishes Mm -hmm. and then people wishing their wish away and then all of a sudden everything gets better it's just it's just so i mean very juvenile it's a very juvenile plot yeah um but you call a movie wonder woman 1984 i just i mean It'd be like I, I don't know, like it's like Saturday Night Fever without disco dancing. Right. It, just, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Why would you do that? Okay, why on earth would anyone do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I would have just thrown in, uh, you know, yes, the score was inferior to the previous Wonder Woman score. Mm-hmm. Throw out the score. Do it Scorsese, Goodfellas style. Do it, you know, like Boogie Nights, where you just have music from the era playing throughout the entire time and keep it going like that. Mm-hmm. And by the that, way, that would have been, yeah, kept my attention. Yeah. All these ideas are better. And by the way, it's only taken us, what, a few minutes to think of like better ideas than how long did the script writer have to come up with a plot? And 
like it just kind of blows my Most mind. People got paid a lot of money. Yeah, this was a big budget, you know, big movie. And I mean, I, I don't know. I guess easier said than done. Yes, it's easy to sit back and play Monday morning quarterback. And hindsight's twenty twenty. But I mean, they had to know that. I, I mean, to, yeah, I it's pretty... I, Patty Jenkins is a pretty smart woman, but I but I this is not a smart script. No, okay, this is, and I don't know. I don't know if this movie was rushed. It, they when was the Wonder Woman previously three years ago, twenty seventeen? Yeah. First one, so it's not like it was the the following year, like you know when they were doing Star Wars mm-hmm. every other year, or you know having these movies back to back. Right. This wasn't rushed. This was you know they had time. They could have fleshed this out, and they didn't for whatever reason. I don't know why. Yeah. But, no, know, totally. The money was not spent on the plot. Yeah. So, but uh, that's that's pretty much my take on Wonder Woman 1984. I don't know. Yeah. I, I would say cast it away. Let it go out to the ocean. <laughs> I don't need to see it again. I'll never watch it again. I'll return to the original one. The Linda Carter series is now on HBO. That's probably more fun. I'll probably watch some of those old reruns. Uh, there's an animated DC Wonder Woman movie that I remember liking a lot uh, that I saw years ago. Um, that's on HBO Max right now. Uh, that's worth checking out. But this is one that I will not want to revisit. And that so. leads to better alternatives which yeah the first one is uh, is the pretty uh, it's the obvious one <laughs> the first movie is mm-hmm. is a better alternative if you want to see i mean yeah the original show i would say is a better alternative i would say there's a lot of better alternatives to this but yeah, just I mean, if you want to see a strong female character, I think that, you know, we have had a lot of good strong female action heroes, heroines. Uh, one of my personal favorite Christmas movies, I watched this a few uh, weeks ago and I watch it uh, almost every Christmas season around this time. Gina Davis in The Long Kiss Goodnight. I absolutely love that movie. And I think that's one of the main reasons why I don't like the Bourne Identity movies as much, because I think that movie did the same thing, but with a woman in the lead and so much better. Um, so that's, you know, there's there's a lot of, you know, good female, strong woman type. I loved Atomic Blonde with Charlize Theron. I loved Mad Max Fury Road with Charlize Theron, sure. where she was every bit as strong and tough as Max. Um, also, uh, Salt with Angelina Jolie. I mean, these are all, I think, better alternatives to watch. They're not comic book movies per se, but even Captain Marvel, I think, even had a the lot original more Tomb Raider, which this. isn't an amazing movie by any stretch, but it's better than what I just saw. It, but <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah, the action Angelina Jolie sold that movie, but the rest of it was yeah. The, the, that's another one where the plot didn't really make sense, but uh, the action was fun. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree to that. In fact, I remember liking Cradle of Life better than the first one and i believe those both are on hbo max right now this is turning into a a ad to subscribe to hbo max (laughs) and if you've seen wonder woman you probably already have subscribed to hbo max so uh these are some movies you could check out yeah check out uh lara croft tomb raider uh cradle of life the second one i remember that being it made no money the first one was the big hit but the second one i remember thinking was the better movie and i haven't seen the new uh Tomb Raider. I'm. I've heard it's not very good though. It's pretty forgettable. Yeah. It's it's pretty. I saw it. I was disappointed. And Alicia Vikander, I think, is a beautiful, talented actress. Uh, but the movie just didn't. Yeah, give that's her what's much disappointing do, about it. Around and look pretty. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of hers too. Whereas, and I mean, Angelina Jolie was an Academy Award winner by the time she took Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Also, but I guess she just either the 
was tailored more as a better action vehicle for her strengths as an actress, or I, I don't know what, but it you know it worked a little bit better. Or even though it wasn't a great movie, it was at least a memorable movie. I remember seeing it in the theater. I remember the action scenes, the images from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, her fighting a giant robot, her skiing, the cave action scenes. You know there was there was enough going on in there that yeah, you know it left an impact yep. somewhat. So. So yeah, I think right. I think we're good with that movie. I don't want to talk about it anymore or yes. think about it. Now I can erase it. I don't it. want to either. I can erase yeah. it from my head. <laughs> we're <now>. done. <laughs> um, if we could do an Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, we would, yeah. and we'd have more room in there to remember important things in life. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, okay. So that's the end of Wonder Woman 1984, which brings us to our next film, Soul, which is Soul, uh, a much better movie. To give you a spoiler of our opinions on it, but. Um, so the plot is... It, it was definitely better. Yeah, yeah. The plot is a musician who has lost his passion for music, is transported out of his body, and must find his way back with the help of an infant soul learning about herself. Transport out of his body is kind of... I mean, he's dead. I mean, honestly, that's that's kind of... He dies, but... Uh, trans- yeah, sorry, and see, you know what? I guess I didn't... I didn't... Yeah, I didn't know enough about this movie prior to know exactly what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um... But uh, I did like what, you know, what I got. And I did like the surprises that it threw along the way. And, uh, you know, it could have gone in a lot of different directions. But uh, I, I really enjoyed uh, this film. And uh, I, I know you did as well. I think we enjoyed different things about it mm-hmm. or, you know, different aspects of it. But I, I thought Soul was better than Coco or worse than Inside Out. But a good mix of the mature themes on, and a good film about the reflection on life. And it used universal humor, you know, him falling over and over again, that can appeal to everyone. I think it was one of the better Disney Pixar movies of recent years. And plus, I know this probably didn't make any impact on you, but as a Knicks fan, the Knicks jokes were great. I've been messing with this one team for 20 years. No, <laughs> that was the, funny. The Knicks that, player I, I found a slam that dunk. Yeah. I thought so. It was a good, good New York references because he was uh, the teacher. Uh, Jamie Foxx's character was a New York based uh, public school music teacher. Joe, yeah, yeah, it was a New York teacher, and uh, so uh, it, it, you know, a good story about a teacher and a good story about you know. It seems like you don't have a lot in life, but even though he didn't, when he was looking back in reflection at first, it was just pictures of him, you know, playing piano, him listening to music, him watching TV and, you know, all these other people in their life, they had accomplished all these other things that were older. And then he realizes, you know, at least he got to experience those things and have that life. And uh, I thought it was beautiful. Uh, you know, and as the more, this is a movie, I, I've only seen it very recently, but you know, the more I think about it, uh, the more I think uh, I like it and it's going to grow on me, uh, a lot. So, yeah. Um, we do disagree with Inside Out. I didn't, you know, I wasn't a fan of that. Um, I thought that... And that impacted me emotionally even more than this. And this one impacted me a lot more than that one did. So for me, it's like, unlike Inside Out, which... Fo- to each his own. Yeah. One in, like, unlike Inside Out, which focused on what I felt were one-note emotional characters, much more than the, ca- the mm-hmm. girl whose body they were inhabiting, Soul is almost the opposite. It's almost, it could be called outside in. It almost felt like it was a (laughs) course correction for me anyway, of, of the, a lot of the themes and, but just did it in a really interesting way where inside out was so focused on the world building that I thought it lost sight of the girl as a character, which, whereas this one, I, I really loved all of the stuff about um, Joe and how it went into his world and I thought it became a much more interesting movie when it took us out of that 
you know, the heavenly or whatever afterlife part of the movie, which was mm -hmm. the first third. I honestly, I wanted to shut mm -hmm. the movie off originally because I was like, okay, this is exactly wow. the same as Inside Out. I thought it was going to be like the same thing, same themes. Same. I was worried about that at one point as well. Yeah. And I was worried about it turning into Coco as well. So yeah. that's why I mentioned both of those. And I think, it, you know, it, it's different than both of those. But so. Yeah, thankfully, the world building takes the back seat in the movie. Um, mm -hmm. And after the first third, we're thrust back into Joe's world, which I just found much more interesting. And that's where, it, yeah. you know, things started resonating with me personally. So they built the world, they did their job, and then they built the characters. Mm -hmm. And then you started resonating because you cared about that. You cared about number 22, the Tina Fey voiced character. Yep. You cared about Joe, the uh, Jamie Foxx character. You cared about his family and his relationship with them and his former student and the Dorothea Williams voiced by Angela Bassett character. So they had strong actors doing the, you know, mm -hmm. supporting work in there. But it was a really good story, I guess, about friendship and about, you know, this man reflecting on what has he done with his life where, you know, at first he looks like I wasted my life. I didn't amount to anything. I didn't accomplish anything. And as time goes on, you realize that, you know, he did. And and there's kind of a cop out at the end, which I didn't really care for as much. I don't want to spoil that. Um, and that may have. Well, I think we could like spoil anything at this point. More. I think this is for people who have seen it i'm, I'm assuming because we are well, giving away a lot of stuff here well yeah i guess we're giving I, I mean i didn't know that much about this i think i saw the trailer once or twice no i didn't I know like, anything uh, about you know, it disney pixar but disney they they haven't been as good this decade the past 10 years as they were you know in the previous decade when it was monsters inc finding nemo incredibles ratatouille just every year every other year and you, you think oh my god the incredibles is the best movie and then they come out with uh you know um ratatouille oh my god that's the best then wally oh my god that's the best and then uh up oh my god that's better than all of them so it just you know it kept like it kept building up and up and you know you eventually that couldn't last forever um but i think this you know belongs in the pantheon it, it, it could be in the conversation with those movies of uh, the, yeah. between 2000 I, and 2010 i thought it that was great Pixar made and it resonated with me mm. more i think than you because it's about a person who defines himself by his profession and that's that's a lot of times what i do is i define myself as like a video person and so, uh, you know, a lot of times I lose sight. Whereas he was a musician. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I lose sight of actually living. That's what I actually, that's why. But I, how about the teacher aspect of it, though? Sure. He was a teacher. Mm -hmm. Okay. He no, did, you know, he, he, and it, he, he, it may have felt like he wasted his life being a teacher, but he still, you yeah. know, affected, you saw the, at least one student that he really impacted. Um, so I think it was well, in me, its own subtle way. It wasn't a over the top, like stand and deliver, you know, dangerous mind story about, you know, how we should value our teachers. But this was a good movie about a teacher. So 100%. But let me, let me actually get to my point. <laughs> so, right. yeah, so he loses so much sight of, of actually living. That's why he, he feels so empty once he does the big performance and he just mm. thinks there's there should be more to it because he's built his whole life around this one thing about performing and he doesn't mm -hmm. he's lost sight of like what it actually feels like to live he doesn't see teaching or any anything else as important um and mm -hmm. the best pixar movies as we've talked about have themes for both kids and adults and i think mm -hmm. kids will resonate more with 22 who doesn't know what she wants yes. to do with her life and finds the concept of a purpose scary and daunting, 
but adults are mm -hmm. going to relate more to Joe, who's all about his purpose, but he's lost, mm -hmm. you know, the childlike parts of himself, which is why 22 actually does a better job living his life than he does. So that's what I thought was mm -hmm. so... And his reflection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like the, you know, what it said about his reflection. Right. Like, so yeah. that's what I, I love that it was this symbiotic relationship where it wasn't just 22 who needs to learn from Joe. Joe needs to learn from 22. It's like you, you have to have the adult side of yourself and the child side. And I think as you get older, you kind of like lose sight of who you are, mm -hmm. who you used to be. Yes. And you don't see the exactly. world as like, you know, that childlike wonder. And so yeah. I, I just thought that was that was really brilliant, and that really got to me because I get lost in my work a lot too, and and I don't mm -hmm. think about um, all of the stuff that I've accomplished or the world outside, like just the simple things a lot. So mm -hmm. it was kind of the movie I needed to see right now, honestly. So mm -hmm. so it really it hit did, you in it that did way. It did really hit me. <laughs> Um, you you made me your description just now. You made me think of the symbiotic relationship between the child and the old man in another Pete Doctor Pixar movie, Up. Yes, and how yes. He, the old man needed the kid, and the kid needed the old man. They both needed a friend. Mm -hmm. Okay, they both need, and you know they both needed someone to have that adventure with and to grow and learn with. And it's just yeah. So it's a very similar. You know, his relationship with Twenty Two is very similar to. The old man, I think his name was Carl, and yes. the, the young boy in Up. Uh, so well, Pete Doctor seems to specialize in these, you know, life-affirming movies about unlikely friendships. Mm -hmm. And uh, he did it with Up, and he did it again with Soul. Uh, and you, you did not like Inside Out, but this clearly does have a lot of thematic and visual connections with Inside Out. Yes. Um, okay. So problems with it... Um... I'm not sure if you had any problems with it. I had a few problems with it. Like I said, I thought that the ending, I had the problem okay. with the ending. Um, gotcha. You know, I think it could have been a little bit more because even to a child, you can't, you know, when you're dead, you're dead. Okay. Mm -hmm. This isn't Frankenstein or science fiction, you know? So I, I thought that was a bit of a cop out. Uh, bringing a character back from the dead. I don't want to say who or what or how, but, uh, you know, that, that that was a little bit where, you know, it, it would have hurt, but it would have been it would have been a good movie about, I guess, acceptance of death, uh, which would have been a different type of theme rather than just getting a second chance, like loophole, second chance, we changed the count, which was a funny scene also. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't hate, it didn't, it didn't, you know, oh my God, detract, but if I, the one maybe small problem that I would change, it would have been that. But otherwise, I don't think I would have changed anything. I was pretty much in awe of this movie. And like I said, the more I think about it, the more I really admire and respect it. So my big thing, as I was saying, was that I thought it was an inside out retread. I would I would have changed the beginning slightly to, mm -hmm. I don't know, do something different. So it didn't just feel like kind of the same thing. I also found a lot of the famous people jokes really obvious and not funny. And it was I found myself. Give me an example. Um, like the Muhammad Ali joke. I think he says... Oh, I thought that was funny. I, oh, I like that. <laughs> I, did, I did not like that. I didn't like the Mother okay. Teresa joke. Um, it's not like I was offended mm. by this stuff. It just I kind of found myself cringing at the forced humor of it. I thought it was very obvious stuff. Jokes for adults. Uh, yeah, obvious, but I guess, you know, not every joke has to be brilliant. I but mean, I like the Nick's joke. Some, I think know, of all some... of the famous uh, people references, I, that was my favorite one, and I'm not a sports person at all, but... I thought that was funny. No, yeah. 
Well, the Knicks have been really bad for 20 years, so it's it was, and it is New York, and they had you know Knicks references around. So I thought that was a nice, clever touch, and I am a, a Knicks fan, so I did appreciate that more than maybe the average uh, uh, person with who would have laughed at those. So. Yeah. Eh. I mean, but those jokes didn't bother me. The world building at the beginning, yeah, it, at the beginning, it does feel like it's going to, it could be, you know, just inside out part two, inside out, mm-hmm. a spiritual inside out. And it's, it's not okay, which was, you know, good for you and, and good for this movie. So it's, it doesn't feel like a retread of inside out, even though the themes are similar. Yeah. Um, to me, like once Joe is so. back on earth, the movie has like a looser feel. It doesn't feel forced. Mm-hmm. It it finds its footing and and just things start moving a lot more. So anybody who's, you know, I guess I'm assuming people who are listening to this have watched this already. But if you are thinking about watching and you're and you're like, OK, this looks like the same movie as Inside Out. Just wait another. It's not. Yeah, yeah. Wait 30 minutes or so. And then you'll see that it actually finds its footing and it, and it becomes its own thing. Yeah, and also this could have easily become a retread of all these other body swap movies that are mm-hmm. very common, you know, a Freaky Friday or, uh, you know, like Father Like Son, vice versa with Fred Savage and um, Judge Reinhold. And those are tricky movies to do. And this movie pulled it off pretty well where it didn't feel like a retread of any other body swap movie that I had seen. Yeah. Um, so, I, I yeah, there are jokes where... Cause, you know, the little girl, the soul, the, you know, soul is 22. in the older, you know, man's body. 22 is in Joe's body and Joe is in a cat. And it's, it's you know, it, it, it th- those are probably more jokes and situations that a child will laugh at. But mm-hmm. it worked enough where it did, wasn't grading at any point to me. It was funny. Yep. So, so. Th- yeah, that's the things that I would change. Um, better alternatives. Um, I mean, you're probably going to say Inside Out. I Different alternative. It, I think Inside Out emotionally impacted me more, but they're both excellent movies, I think. I think they're both very good movies. I wouldn't say it's a, you know, really a better alternative. It's like, it's like this movie's cousin, okay? You know, they, they, they feel similar. They feel related. And Coco also could be in that same category. Yeah, that, that was the other thing is I thought this could have been a retread of Coco because it's like visiting mm-hmm. the land of the dead Involving again. Involving death, yeah, um, in the land of the dead, exactly. And, so, and, yeah. and someone trying to get back to the land of the living. So it did feel but like... But it's only 15 minutes of that, yep. yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it did feel like it was taking parts of Up, taking parts of Inside Out, and taking parts of Coco. But still, it, it ended mm-hmm. up managing to tell its own story. But I just think Pixar yep. can't do this anymore. <laughs> They've got to do something else after this. Like to me, this is like the last well, movie like this they can do, because I think this was better than another sequel. Yeah, Cars Four or uh, 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 Monsters High School because they did Monsters University. I mean, uh, I think it's better than Finding Dory, Finding you know whoever they could find next. I don't oh know. yeah, I would. Um, I'll take this over yeah. any of those. But I I want more original ideas that aren't borrowing from other Pixar movies. But... Easier said than done. Pixar was on a roll for a long time, and mm-hmm. I mean. That's yeah. That's easier easier said than done. Um, would this rank? I don't know where this would rank among the Pixar movies. It wouldn't be in my top five, but it would probably be in my top ten, maybe. I don't know, because they've made some incredible movies over the years. Um, maybe not recent years, but like I said, going back, you know, the early two thousands, you know, two thousand to two thousand ten. I think they're probably one of the most consistent, you know, studios. Uh, 
that was around period during that time. You're much bigger on ranking than me for me. Like a lot of these, the great Pixar movies, it's very hard for me to like say which one, I mean, I could say Ratatouille is my all time favorite, but that's not to say it's better than the Incredibles or, um, or Toy Story two, which is my favorite toy Story. I guess I could rank some of them, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I, I would have trouble ranking which one's my favorite because, I mean, for a while it was The Incredibles. But then, like I said, a couple of years later, you know, Ratatouille. Oh, my God. How could they, a movie about rats cooking <laughs> be so compelling and so heartfelt and so visually stunning? Yeah. Um, you know, and then, then WALL-E came out the following year and that was, oh, my God. And then uh, Up came out and I thought, oh, I kind of, you know, there's a part of me that thinks maybe Up is my favorite of all of them. So it's a tough call. Yeah. Uh, it's much easier to rank my least favorite ones, like The Good Dinosaur and Brave and um, and Inside Out. Yeah, Brave I didn't Inside care for. Out, Good I think, Dinosaur I never even saw. I think, it, yeah, Good Dinosaur is probably the worst one because that's the one that's only made for very, very young children. Like I would say that's for mm-hmm. three-year-olds and that's it, So, okay. which is sad. Um, but mm. I, I will I will give Inside Out another another chance now that, this won me over. Um, I'm curious. I don't think I'm going to like it as much as this the second time. I might like it less now that I... Because mm. I just feel like this tells a lot of the same... <laughs> it just does mm-hmm. everything that Inside Out... It worked better for me. Just It just kind of replaced Inside Out as a concept okay. for me. And Inside Out, yeah, I guess impacted me more emotionally. But that, you know... I shouldn't hold that against uh, Soul. I mean, how many movies do we like that have the same themes? Or how many movies do we love that have the same plots? Right. Uh, you know, so uh, I can't, uh, I'm not going to hold that against Soul because it had some of the, you know, it retreaded some of the same ideas mm-hmm. from these other Pixar movies or other body swap movies. Um, but that Soul was a good movie for what it needed to be. And I'm happy I saw it. And I would recommend it to anyone. I would say, do not cast this movie out into the ocean. Don't let it sink. Okay, <laughs> keep it. Watch it. Take it to a desert or whatever, you know, however we're going to be rake, uh, ranking and rating these movies in the future when we do this on podcastaways. Okay, if you cast it away or keep it, this one is a keeper. Okay, this is one that you should see. You should keep it. And uh, it should be, you know, something that I think families could enjoy together while they're home stuck in quarantine uh, over Christmas break over winter break and they can't go out too much I think soul is an excellent alternative for a family to enjoy uh, laughing and you know having an emotional moment or two together I really I think agree. this is a terrific choice yep I definitely agree with that so and I guess that that kind of uh, that ends this episode that sums it up. So yeah. tune in next time. We'll have different movies. There's other movies on Netflix that we could be uh, uh, cast podcasting away about. Uh, so and we'll in probably the meantime, come up with like a better out. concept, I would think, to or format for this. But we'll see. This is a rough draft. This is episode one. This is the pilot. Okay, the Seinfeld uh, pilot wasn't that great. Pilots usually aren't the greatest. But, I think this uh, was a good, stick with good it. pilot. Though we'll get better. I think this was a good pilot. I think, I mean, we've been having these conversations for years, and then finally I'll give a shout-out to Rich Tola, okay, who's, like, uh, you know, been pressing me to do a podcast, and I tried, you know, looking up how to do it and everything, and I'm like, if there's one person I can do it with, it's got to be Patrick Alaka. So uh, here we are, because we have these kinds of conversations all the time. We just don't record them, uh, and and I don't I interrupt you more often. And otherwise, that's about it. It's kind of the same conversation that we would normally have, uh, 
without recording it uh, and speaking into a uh, Yeti microphone. Shout out to Yeti microphones. There's a plug. All right. Um, All right. Well, well, I guess we'll see you next time. Um, and we'll come up with, a, I guess, a catchphrase or something to end this. But for now, just... Uh... I'll, I'll end with the ones that I end with my movie reviews on. Yeah, you can check out all my reviews. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Jason K. Critic. Check out my reviews at www.panandslam.com. And yeah, I always close off with, uh, I'm Jason Konigsberg. Live long, prosper, and watch movies. All right, see you next time. <laughs>